to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. You know what it costs to climb? God doesn't leave us the way we were. He takes us on a journey to develop the wonder of what we were designed to carry and to accomplish. And whatever campus we're in today, and if we're online, it's kind of like I think God is always looking for an opportunity to cause us to get clarity on why we're here and what can be done. So we're going to pray. Father, we thank You today. We thank You as a church that as we focus in on our final ascent, that God, this is a time where we see on the other end of this, millions of people finding hope discovering the God that created them and the wonder of who they can be in Him. And we pray today that, Holy Spirit, You'll just come to every one of us. And God, there will be that sound of heaven in our hearts. And we give You the honour for that in Jesus' Name. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, let's say it loudly. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. We, We began, three weeks ago, we have this legacy season here at life. And I began by saying that legacy, it's a great word, but legacy is the outcome of focused investment. I think most healthy people are looking for change. We're looking to discover what we believe could be, but maybe have not discovered. And yet you don't build a great marriage because you meet the right person. It's because you have focused investment. You you don't build a life that counts for more than you without focused investment. In fact, nothing comes from nothing. The way that Jesus taught is if you take a seed that's been created by God and you activate that seed by planting it, you will release multiplying harvest. And so you discover in life, there are those that are just waiting for something to happen. And then there are those that are activating and stepping in to the fact that as they focus their investment, a shift takes place. You know, years and years ago, many, many years ago, early on in ministry, I had people coming up to me and saying, well, you talk about a loving God. If God is that loving, then how is it in our planet, 40,000 children are dying of starvation every single day? And I found myself at a crossroads because I couldn't really answer the question and I still remember to this day going to God one night and saying, God, how come? What's the answer? Why, God, are there? And it was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit just respond, why, Paul? You see, focused investment means that we have the ability to feed those that are hungry. We have the ability not just to pray for someone that they would be warmed, but to provide what is needed for warmth. And here at Life, we are unapologetic that we're not here just to have a great service, but we're here because we carry a kingdom insight, which is that we live with a generational commitment. It's not just getting by today, but we want to unlock the wonder of tomorrow when God spoke to Marie and I about leaving Sydney and coming to New Zealand and starting what is now known as life. It's like, God, we're in if that's what you want. But the conversation said, And went like this, but God, if this is your will, then we're believing for the church to rise up in the middle of society, become the go-to place 
where there is need and there are no answers. And so today, we're at the final summit. We're at the final push. We've got five months to see a miracle take place that will enable this church to do more than $20 million worth of community impact every single year. And I'm here to encourage everyone to live for a greater purpose. You may be at home, but I'm encouraging you. I'm inspiring you to pay the price. I don't know if you enjoyed that video. In fact, I think we should thank the team that put that together. How many know it's worth coming to church just to see that? And by the way, that was all footage. That slip that Logan went through was not planned and he still feels the effects. Because I think a legacy life has scars attached. And that's why many people stop climbing. So I'm here to inspire you, to invite you to play your part. Everest was conquered as we have seen in 1953 by a party of more than 500 people. They climbed the highest mountain on earth, which many people said just because of its status could never be climbed. I'm proud to announce that through our community initiative just this last week, we launched our sixth soup kitchen. And we're seeing now, I think in one week, just shy of a hundred, sorry, a thousand meals served. It's just the beginning. And what God can do just with a yes and with a belief. We've already seen over the last couple of weeks that you can't reach the summit, whatever your summit is. As a church, we can't reach the summit that God's given for us to take unless we cultivate a tomorrow dream. It's kind of like, you know, I've had people say to me, in fact, heard it as an echo in the foyer, oh, this talk about money, I don't like all this talk. It's only because you don't have a dream. See, when you have a dream that there should not be an Aotearoa nor in Australia, in fact, all over the world, there should not be a kid going to bed with hunger. There shouldn't be those that have suffered abuse that don't have a pathway of recovery. There has to be the sound of heaven coming to earth where it's, you are not who you think you are. You are who God designed you to be. And you can find freedom in the middle of any storm if you let God in. And I just challenge our church, what could be? Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He says, I'm happy to wear a few scars so others can be healed. Our church is exactly the same. And my question is, what do you see, really? What are you living for? It was Tenzing Norgay, who with Edmund, Sir Edmund Hillary conquered with the team Everest. When he was asked, why did he continue to attempt the climb? He said, I needed to go because the pull of Everest was stronger in me than the force here on earth. That sense of just being contained to the here and now was not enough. And I pray that our church will always live with a tomorrow dream. With that, we need to commit to play our part. Over 500 were a part of that summer attempt. Many will never know their names, but they carried it. I look around our church and I think, I think about those first nine years from 1991, how that we set up and pulled down every service every Sunday. Our set up teams began at 5.30 in the morning, finished at 11.30 at night. 
Many of them were married. They just turned up. It was their day off. And yet they're going, we're living for something bigger than that. We've got teams now in car parks. We've got people working in the rain to say, we want to set a platform for someone else. Not only do you need to commit or I need to commit to play my part, but I need to carry the needed oxygen. You can't get to a higher level the way you did the former season. It's kind of like to get to the top of Everest. There's only one third, 33% of the oxygen available that you have at sea level. So many people, let alone the danger of the climb, never pursue something that high. Because the higher you climb, the more oxygen you need. In 1953, there were two attempts at the summit. The first two that were chosen as part of the party were Tom Burdillon and Charles Evans, and they got within 300 meters. But Evans had problems with his oxygen set. And so just 300 and something meters short, they looked at each other and they said, because of the lack of oxygen, they'd turn back. A close friend of Burdillon's and he was on the party, said that Tom, for the rest of his life, regretted that decision. You see, oxygen speaks to us about something more than what we carry naturally. It speaks about the sound, the breath of heaven. In fact, they say as a mountain climber, if you don't have enough oxygen, you begin to know it because you get shortness of breath. In other words, you, you don't stay the course. You get dizzy, you, you become irritable. Sounds like some Christians. You become disorientated and if it persists, even your brain begins to swell. You see, when you begin something like we have as a church to raise 45 million so that our facilities are debt free so we can reach the community sustainably. It's easy to get dizzy. It's easy to get disorientated and go, you know what? What I felt like God was saying to me, look, it's not happening. So what's the point? Give up. And for the rest of our lives, we can literally regret. So we went so far, but we didn't go all the way to the top. You know, people say to Marie and I, and we're not special people. We're just yes people. We celebrated 38 years of marriage this week. And I tell people she got lucky. You don't build a marriage without scars. You just keep on going. How have you kept going for 29 years? I go, because we just held on to the Word of God, which became and is oxygen that helps us keep climbing. You see, one of my favorite chapters is Psalm 27, where the psalmist cries out, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength, His breath. His oxygen is the strength of my life. I don't need to fear. I've discovered over many years that the level of light that I carry determines the depth of my darkness. So when I stand before the things that are naturally impossible, if I have the oxygen of heaven, the light of God is bigger than the darkness that yells, give up. 
How could this ever happen? How could this ever take place? Psalmist goes on and says in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, this is the key, wait on the Lord and be of good courage because that will strengthen your heart. Wait on God, get the breath, the oxygen of heaven because that's gonna change everything. And yet this morning as we close out legacy for the last time, we've got five months to the summit, but this is our last campaign for the foreseeable future. It's kind of like things are gonna shift from this point. I feel like that's what God says. But this five months, I believe, not only do you need to cultivate a dream of tomorrow and understand the the responsibility of your part, carry the needed oxygen, but I do believe all of us need to complete our obedience. See, to complete your obedience is different for you than it is for me. And in fact, to master your mountain, you've got to finish what you start. Oh, I pray that there will be some resilient Christians on the earth that get a now word from God and they go, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm not stepping back. I'm looking at the top and I'm gonna keep believing that one day the church of Jesus Christ will again be the cornerstone of society. We'll be the go-to place for help. We'll make sense. We'll have a sense of anointing that brings hope to hopelessness. It was Tenzing Norgay that said this, we looked up for weeks. For months we looked up and there it is, the top of Everest. And as he got close, he says, but now it's different. We're so near. It's so close. Not much more than a thousand feet. It's no longer just a dream, a high dream in the sky. It's real, it's solid. It's a thing of rock and snow. It's a thing of climbing. We make ready. Listen to this. We will climb it. This time, with God's help, we will climb onto the end. And I feel like legacy is so much more than what we're trying to do financially. It's about what happens when God sees the obedience. When we say yes and say, okay, God, I'll do what you ask me to do. You see, legacy is more about who we become than the mountains that we summit. See, through obedience, God brings a shift in who you are. And so then our testimony is like we scaled the highest mountain. No, we became different because it shifted who we were. You see, you might think it's about the top of the mountain, but you get to the top of the mountain and Sir Edmund Hillary And Tenzing Norgay, they stood there for 15 minutes, but no longer because had they stayed there longer, they would have died there. But they got there long enough to see the reason for the climb. Was far bigger than they could have ever imagined. The generations would begin to believe that they can make their climb. And in themselves, from that point on, they could forevermore be the go-to people because they had mastered the mountain. And now they could encourage other people to master the mountain. And they could speak that the generations ahead could look back and say there were those that mastered the mountain. I love what Andrew uh, Andrew, Andrew says, everybody wants to get to the peak. But did you realise there's no growth on the top of the mountain? 
The growth happens through the pathway of obedience. In that point, something shifts. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. Did you realize that faith is only real when there is obedience? Faith is never without it. Faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. You can talk about faith till you lose your earthly breath. But without activation, it's not faith at all. Fifteen or so years ago, I was in a small town here in New Zealand and God had put it on my heart from day one that we would be here to promote unity in the body of Christ. Up and down the nation every year and I got so down one particular night on tour. Little wee hotel room. I just began to cry. It's like, what's the point? Done this for 10 years and people just want what they want. Felt like the Holy Spirit flood the room and say, Paul, what did I ask you to do? God wasn't looking for the result. He was looking for the obedience. And today to see open heaven now going right across our nation. Churches speaking well of one another. Beginning to believe together. See, legacy is more about who we become than the mountain we summit. Secondly, legacy opens the door for others to believe. As of the end of last year, 2019, there had been over 10,000, in fact, 10,155 climbers that have now summited Everest because someone went ahead. Church, you're at a, here at life. If you're new to life, it's kind of like we're not here just to play a game. We're here to do what God wants us to do. I believe that even this legacy campaign already is having a, a global impact across the globe since we launched Legacy. And I don't think we're the only ones, but I hadn't heard people using Legacy all over the world now in campaigns. People are using the word Legacy. Don't forget, through our obedience, it opens the door for others to believe. And I look at that and I go, so let's always keep asking ourselves, what kind of shift are we bringing in others? You don't have to do what the person next to you God asks to do. You just need to be obedient to what God has for you to carry. If you're a Sherpa, be a Sherpa. If you're a porter, be a porter. If you're a climber, be a climber. Be part of the party. If you're on the comms at home base, just do what God's called you to do and realize together we achieve so much. So legacy, it does. It changes who we are. It opens the door for others to believe, but it also unlocks God's promised blessing. On the other side of obedience, not only are we different, not only do other people believe, but it unlocks a door that allows God to do what He wanted to do. And God will always come preceding a miracle with a test. And the test is always the same. I hate the tests. You can't climb Everest without sliding at times. You, you can't. Overcome the enemy's hold on your life until you say, I'm all in and I'm not gonna give up. And God comes to Abraham last year. We looked at it in Genesis chapter 22. And if you know the story, there's a couple. They've longed for a baby and God says, I'm gonna give you a baby, but the baby doesn't come. He is now around 100. She's at 90. Time is done. Yet they're still believing the miracle comes. And the prize of Abraham and Sarah's life is Isaac, their son. 
And then God meets Abraham and says, you know what? You've seen a miracle, but that's not the last climb you make. I want you to lay your son down. Not that. Then all of our security is gone. Not that. But it was God that was speaking, not a pastor, not a campaign. It was the Word of heavens going, I want that. And it's like, but what about that? Verse 1 of chapter 22 in Genesis. After all of these things, God tested Abraham. You know what Abraham said? I'm in. Here I am. If they don't do it, it doesn't matter. I'm in. Here I am. So they walk up to the mountain that God showed him, Mount Moriah. Takes his teenage boy, puts him on the altar because God says, I want you to lay him down. I want you to put me as a priority. He's about to slay his son. God never wanted the son to be killed, but it was a test. He was on the other side of obedience. There's so much more. As he's about to slay his son, God speaks. In fact, verse 11, the angel of the Lord calls from heaven, Abraham, he said, here I am. This is what he said, as he's about to slay his son, do not lay your hand on your lad or do anything to him. God speaking, for now I know that you fear God and you have not withheld, you've been obedient. Goes on in verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. And God says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing, obedience. And you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I'll bless you and multiplying I'll multiply you. I will multiply your descendants generationally like the stars of the heaven and your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. I believe the generations that follow don't need to fear what government's in place. They need to realize the authority of heaven that will be on them because of the previous generation's obedience. And I look at that and I go, God, let us be a church that's obedient. These five months, it's the steepest part of the climb. It's actually the most impossible. It's the most treacherous and dangerous. We got no idea what that looked like, that peak. But they said, we're in. It was Charles Finney, the revivalist, that said a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Once we get obedience, God's blessing is released. And the generations ahead of us are going to thank us for saying yes. I think most of us understand, and again, I'm speaking to every campus and online, that seriously for me, it's not about the 45 million that we're believing we can raise. It's about what God will do on the other side of an obedient church. That's why it's the completing our obedience, not just yours, but our obedience. On the screen, if you've been in church the last couple of weeks, this is the God miracle so far, the equation. Everybody in South, everybody in North, Central and online. We're believing to raise 45 million. To date, we're at $36.8 million. And for that to happen is nothing short of a miracle. That means that we've got 80, uh, sorry, 8.8 million to go, 8.2 million to go for us to get to the 45. I personally have had a prayer right through this campaign that God will smash it that we as a church would be able to help other churches that need finance come on for their dream and their Everest. 
our climbing party would join their climbing party. And of course, we have had people that have pledged and we still believe that 4.4 of that will come in. So that leaves us with a total of 3.8 million, a total of 8.2, but 3.8 that we're believing over the next five months. We, as people that listen to God and are obedient to God, are gonna see that take place. You know, here at Life, I woke up this morning with a picture of a tent on the way in and I said to Marie, I wonder what it would have been like for Tenzing and Edmund Hillary that spent that night alone because the previous day they had climbed further than others had climbed in preparation for the final ascent of just over 300 meters. The rest of the party weren't there. They were just there alone and I'm sure they didn't sleep much if you've ever been faced with the potential end of your life. There was no guarantees. In fact, statistics would say that they wouldn't come back, but they had a dream. And they zipped open the door of their tent. I don't know how strong the wind was, but again, percentage, it would have been blowing a gale. And they said, this is our day. They didn't just stay in the tent. They got up from the tent and they began the final ascent. I think that the enemy would often say to us, well, we can't make much difference because we haven't got much to give. Where I go, no, what's your Everest? It's one small seed that creates a harvest for generations to come. And if you go to the Bible, there are so many people that could be used, but God chose the widow as a testimony of what could be. You see, you go to one king's And in 1 Kings 17, you discover that there's a widow that's about to die. She's got a son. She's got one meal left. And God says, Elijah, go to her. Elijah goes to her and says, widow woman, the strangest thing, you make me a cake. You be obedient to the Word of the Lord. Because on the other side of your obedience is a miracle. And so she bakes a cake. She says, we're gonna die. And he says, no, no, because you've been obedient, Your bowl of flour and your jar of oil will not run dry until the day that the drought is broken. I'm gonna teach you how to stand up and grow into your future. Then in 2 Kings 4, there's another widow woman. She's just lost her husband and they had debt. And so the way to pay the debt was to sell their sons into slavery. There was no other way. And this time Elisha turns up and says, No, God has not forsaken you. He's heard your cry. Go and get jars and get old bathtubs and get pots and begin to pour the little oil you've got. Every jar was filled. She lived on the rest. Then in the New Testament in Luke 21, there's a widow woman and it's time for the offering and people are bringing handfuls of money, but it's just an overflow. But there's one widow woman with two copper coins and she gives it all. Jesus stops and says, this is the one. She's given more than anyone. It's not the amount, it's the obedience. And then there's a widow woman, (laughs) which I'll never forget. She lived in Sydney. Some of you know the story, but I would rush through the foyer on my way to lead a meeting or to speak. And I'd feel her bony fingers. I still can feel them today. She'd reach through the crowd and she'd grab my arms and she'd say, I'm praying for you, Pastor Paul. I'm praying for you. 
I don't think there was a Sunday that went by that she didn't find a way. I don't know how to pinch her pastor. I'm praying for you. And we were in a season where again, we needed to raise some money for a first building we ever had in what is now the Hillsong Church in Sydney, in the city campus. We needed to raise 360,000 deposit, which was just crazy back then. And I didn't know how to do it, but they asked me to raise it. And I, I just said, God, how? And God said, well, you, you're good at math. What's a thousand times 360? So I said to the church, I don't know how we're gonna do this. 360 for many of us seems impossible, but if we could have a thousand lots of 360, we'd have 360,000. Some of you can give more than one lot, so maybe you could give 10 lots. Some of you can't give one lot, but you could get together in a group and give 360. Let's believe for a miracle and kind of just, I threw it out there. It was a week later that Amy grabbed me, but she held on to me this time and she said, Pastor Paul, I need to ask you something. I said, what's that, honey? She says, would you come to my place for a meal? Well, how many know if you love Indian food? You don't need a thus saith the Lord. It is the will of the Lord. It's kind of like, I said, I'd love to. Or just maybe sometimes she said, no, come this week, Thursday, come Thursday. And I go, oh, that's my meeting day. I'm already choked up with appointments. Anyway, it was Indian food. I said, yes, it is the will of the Lord. <laughs> so we changed the diary around. I remember driving to the eastern suburbs, had her address. Then I found this big building, just a square box. Went in the front door and then I realized there were a whole lot of apartments, one bedroom apartments inside. One bathroom that serviced 10 apartments thereabout. Very rundown. Amy's number was on her door and I could smell the curry. I knocked on the door and she came and just burst into tears. Early 80s. She said, you came. I said, yep. She started praying for me. Prayed and prayed and prayed, prayed for Marie, prayed for the family. And we sat down and talked some, and she talked and we talked. We had this great Indian curry. The room was so small. You had a single bed. Everything was dark. There were no chairs. There were just apple boxes, the old wooden apple boxes with cushions on them. At the end of her bed was a box of kind of papers. And I was looking at the time without letting her know because I was already missing one or two appointments. And at the end, I said, Amy, after a couple of hours, I, I really do need to go. She said, no, 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 before you go, before you go. Got up, scuffled along in a sari to the end of the bed and she went through the box and she pulls out this envelope. It's the widow's mite. She said, God spoke to me a couple of years ago and said that I needed to take some of my pension for a purpose that he had. So I've been putting it in there. After Sunday, when you mentioned thousand people of 360 I went to my box I pulled my envelope out she says it's amazing I had $360 in there I reckon because of Amy's obedience you're sitting where you're sitting today Everything in me was just wanting to yell out, no, Amy, buy some furniture. I'll rob a bank. And say sorry to God afterwards. Did you realize being obedient with the right word, with the right action, can create a legacy that you will never know about?
So I took that 360 and we saw the miracle. And I suppose I'm getting teary because this is not about a preacher trying to get money from people. If God doesn't speak to you, don't give unless you've got the maturity to know how it works. But I believe that God is saying to us, every one of us, come on, five months, the hardest part of the climb. But by God's grace, we can slam the summit. And all I'm asking you to do is today to take a moment. We've got five months. Some of us are giving cash. Some are giving cash and pledging. Some are pledging. But it's not just out in the sky, get something from God. And let's believe that God will lead us right through the five months. You know, the amazing thing about New Zealand particularly is 33 cents of everything you give, you get back. That won't be there forever. But the generations that come are going to thank God for what foundation people here did through the legacy campaign. Come on, there are hundreds of thousands of people that will thank God for a church that was obedient. It changes us more than what it accomplishes by climbing the mountain. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.